Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you, if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Jeremy Franchese. Jeremy is the founder and president of Strategic Branding Studios and host of the Marketing Water Cooler podcast. Welcome to my podcast, Jeremy. Jonna, thanks for having me. And uh, everybody, thanks for, for tuning in. Appreciate the opportunity to join and add some value to the conversation. Yeah, I'd love to start off uh, by getting you to just unpack a little bit about what you do for our listeners. 
Yeah, so well, I'll, I'll be quick on this. Um, you know, I run Strategic Branding Studios. We are a technology-enabled communications agency. Um, the only thing I, I spend all of my time uh, trying to figure out, we, we work with B2B organizations to help them accelerate the growth in their business. Um, for some organizations, that's, that's raising capital. For others, it's bringing in customers. Uh, for others, it's navigating the, the talent market to attract and retain uh, the best talent in the industry. Uh, and others, maybe it's opening up uh, channel relationships partner programs so that they can grow revenue but we are entirely in the business of um, helping companies strategically and creatively communicate so that they can they can accelerate growth in the business yeah i love that it's one of the i mean i've always known it's important but it's definitely a theme that's come up again and again and again in this podcast about communication for leadership for yep. uh, for marketing for really every it touches every area of, of an organization yeah, I mean, and look, I, I, I'll, I think a lot of companies think, we, you know, what does that even mean? We're a communications agency. It's like, well, if, if I said I'm a marketing agency, everybody immediately thinks uh, promotion, advertising, you know, social media. But most companies, you know, if you take an average message, make it louder, that doesn't make it a great, compelling message. And so I think one of the big reasons we've found success and why our private equity clients are able to, to raise hundreds of millions of dollars and our clients are able to grow and, and do it in a way that's effective is because we just get back to the fundamentals of communications. Humans buy from humans, whether you're doing a billion dollar private equity fund, a half a million dollar cybersecurity deal, a healthcare product, it doesn't matter what it is, it's resonating with humans. And, um, and I think some companies uh, and a lot of companies that really would benefit from stepping back from marketing and promotion and getting back to the fundamentals of we need to figure out how to communicate before we start to amplify, you know, and that's, that's where we spend our time. Yeah, that's so good. I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that approach. Uh, let's jump into your story. I'd love to start off by getting you to look back at childhood, you know, growing up as uh, Jeremy Franchese. What were some of those moments in that season of your life that really shaped you into the person and leader you are today? Yeah, so I, I you know, I, everybody's like, you know, I have an interesting background. Everybody, I think, has, you know, everybody has their own vision for their future and therefore the past has significance. But, you know, look, I, I grew up in a family where I, I had the best parents I could ask for. They, they, you know, getting from zero to one in this world is incrementally harder than getting from one to two. And my parents did everything humanly possible to make sure that my brother and I never started at zero. We started at one. They worked their face off. Uh, my dad was in education for, for 30 years. My mom was in the nonprofit world, still is. And I was able to witness at a young age uh, the, the results of hard work, where you go from seeing the, the pots and pans hanging on, on uh, you know, a cork board with nails to then all of a sudden, hey, we have cabinets in our kitchen. You know, that's interesting. I, I understand the cause and effect, so to speak, of persistence and of hard work. But I also saw that the, the side of it where, you know, ultimately not being in control of their destiny uh, in some respects where, you know, leadership at, at certain organizations they participated in uh, and worked at made bad decisions and drove the things into the ground to some extent, you know, to some extent. And, you know, so I, I you know, at a young age of, of 16, 17, 18, 19, I started looking at saying, man, you can do this thing for 30, 40 years and still end up at the end of the game, unsure of if you're going to be able to make it through because of decisions other people made. So I always had moments in my childhood where I looked at, um, you know, I might not be right all the time, but I'm going to make sure when I put my head on the pillow, the right and wrong and the good and bad, I can, I can know that it was up to me. If I made a mistake and it caused a, a negative outcome, I know I can blame me, but I learned early on to not put the chips in other people's hands to that extent. And obviously having employees and growing and the leadership conversation we'll have today um, is a little bit of a different approach, but at large, I learned early on the value of hard work, um, but I also learned um, it doesn't always play out the way you anticipate it to, and so it helped me operate in, in a little bit of a different capacity. To fast forward, I, I grew up in a really small town, more, more cows than people, quite literally, um, in, in Connecticut, uh, in the <laughs> States. And, and so, you know, my whole public school had, you know, 400, 500 kids. My, I knew every person in my graduating class of a public school. I played three sports, you know, was in music, was in honor society. I did everything in that small town. So I made the call. I got to get out of here. Um, I left and, and went to an out-of-state school, 
ended up being in the DC area, started getting into business and learning about sales. And that's where I started realizing like, there's a core set of transferable skills that if you can learn to network, learn to connect, learn to solve problems, learn to sell, um, and uh, you can you can sustainably find success from that capacity. And so I'm still in the DC area. Um, at this point, I, I run uh, the agency I run and, and, and a couple other things that we have going on. And, um, you know, but but that's really where we're at today. And so we're early in the process, but we've had a couple moments that really anchored in you know, get to work, understand what the <laughs> risk, you know, rel- you know, risk relative to the reward is, and then go play the game. Yeah, that's so good. Um, thank you for sharing uh, a little bit about your story there. I'm interested to know, obviously, your parents are incredible role models, and you learned a lot, of, like you said, uh, going from zero to one, you were really, really lucky uh, to, to have them. Any moments that come to mind where you saw how they navigated a situation and it really stuck with you, you know, <laughs> when, when you've got people like that totally. who are role models, I love to sort of prompt to see if there are any, you know, in how they handled a crisis and how they managed, uh, managed people, anything that you'd always hear them say again and again, any, anything that comes to mind from them? Yeah. So I'll give you two answers. One is on their ability to allow things to happen. I think underrated leadership skills are the lack of action, right? So I'll give you an example, right? When I was young and I started learning about things like network marketing and sales and I was early in college, my parents were able to let me try for myself at the expense of failure and at the expense of maybe making a fool out of myself or at the expense of maybe losing a little bit of money, right? Not enough to cause damage, but enough to be relevant, right? And I think one of the biggest obstacles when you're a kid is how do you let them get close to traffic so that they can learn to not step into the road? They were very good about understanding that I got to taste it for myself and I got to be able to play. And if they didn't do that, I definitely wouldn't be in the position I'm in today. So their ability to let me explore and try and, and fail and not make me feel less than because I tried and failed, that's a huge factor that they may or may not know. But I, I have had conversations with them, you know, lately, uh, you know, or, or, you know, in the last few years, kind of looking back of like, why did you let me do that? And they just looked at it and said, you're either going to learn or you were going to succeed. But either way, it was a win-win for us to see you figure it out. And so I think, I don't know if a lot of people have that DNA when they're talking about a 15 to 16 year old kid. So from that side, that was a significant value add. Um, The other side of it is, I mean, look, this is, you know, my mom has been in the nonprofit world um, for her entire career. And, and, and so she went to an organization she could believe in and it's, you know, they couple hundred employees in healthcare, um, helping them on their donor side and helping them build relationships in the community. And that executive team more or less drove it into the, into bankruptcy. And, um, and so for, for a decade, right, she stayed to pull it out. So they didn't have to lay off two, 300 people. I fly in for Thanksgiving and she picked me up at the airport and she said, I'm so sorry. I got to go to the office. If we don't find money for payroll, we got to lay people off. So for me, um, it takes a lot for me to feel genuine stress because I've been in a scenario as a passenger watching somebody handle that. And um, those instances that when you put them together on one side, letting somebody fail as, as a kid and know that it's safe because they'll either win or they'll fail and learn. And on the other side, looking at somebody get, you know, bloodied up a little bit on the front lines and saying, we're not going to, I'm not going to, you know, I might've, I might've joined an organization that was going, that I didn't know was going down, but I'm not going to abandon it. I'm going to make sure we get out to the other side. We protect people because that's the right thing to do. Mm. Um, even if, even if it's painful and, and even if it causes stress. Um, so those are the types of things. And I'm sure if we, you know, if we had hours, there's, there's several things I could probably comment on from my dad and, and even <laughs> coaches and, and other mentors, but um, those are a couple things that stand out for me that it's just, it's very hard for me to get to a position where a situation makes me crawl in my skin because I look at that thinking if I don't find 150 grand by Wednesday for payroll, we got to lay people off because that's what happens in, you know, bankruptcy. You have to have payroll, right? There's certain things. And so there's moments like that where it's just, all right, what, what am I worried about? Right. You know, that's not to say there aren't business complications, but makes things very simple, right? Oh, that's so good. I, I love it. Um, thank you for sharing those those stories. That's really my mom, rich. My mom, my mom's a badass. Hopefully, my mom. Hopefully, my mom doesn't listen to this. But if she does, I love you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we all you know, we all know she probably will. <laughs> 
I know, you she know, will, because she, she's the best. She but, probably you know, will, she, that's right. She's a good, <laughs> but she's a good example of, like, she didn't get an MBA, she just worked. She didn't run from the situation, and she realized yeah. she needed to figure it out. And so, you know, you pulling things into leadership, it's like you're, the, the capacity to operate in, in a perpetually optimal scenario is ludicrous, right? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. it's, not always, it's not always perfect, you, you know? So that's where I think being young and, and the ability to fail forward and not feel ridiculed or feel stupid or less than because I maybe made a bad decision, those are the things that allow you to operate at this level consistently, you know, knowing the circumstances are... Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, you you know where I'm going with it, Jono. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree. It's good. Uh, fast you know. forwarding, when when was your first opportunity to lead something? Do you remember the first chance you had to lead a group of people? The first project or uh, something where you were really the the vision cast, or you know, that you were in control of that, or even in sports. Like, what was the first or one of the really early significant moments for you to have a leadership opportunity? It's a great question. It's, I'll be honest, there isn't one landmark like thing that stands out. I, I've always been uh, somebody that I, I, I like to take on the responsibility. You know, I'm not, I don't like hiding in the background. It's just never been how I've been wired. So I've, I've been captain of multiple athletic sports teams in, 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 in high school. I was in the, you know, in the music program that, that was considered one of the, the tops in the, in that public school, you know, um, you know, whether, you know, whatever it was, like, I, I'm going to want to find my way to the front to, to be a part of the decisions that are made to find its way forward. So there's a lot of those micro incidents, you know, uh, moments from, from sports and music and academia. But um, I mean, look, I stumbled into the world of business and sales early on because I realized that what happened for me was I, I came home freshman year. I tore my ACL and meniscus playing basketball. Um, I had a summer job lined up uh, that I needed to make money to do certain things that I made agreements to. And when I, when I blew up my knee, I couldn't work that job. And that was for me the moment I realized if I couldn't physically show up, I couldn't make money. And I sat on that couch and I looked around and I looked at my folks and I was like, if I were 20 years older or 10 years older, seven years older, you know, for, depending on where you're at in life and I, you know, a wife and kids and a mortgage and cars and life happened like it did. I didn't do anything wrong. I wasn't going out, you know, committing crimes. I was just living an active life and I was laid up for three months. Uh, and I, the job, they're like, Hey, if you can't show, it's not, we're not mad at you, but we got to let you go. We can't do this. It made me realize how, how like very little control you had when you look at the real scenario of, well, shoot, I can't show up. I can't make money. Now what happens? That's where for me things shifted. And, and it might not be directly to leadership in a moment, but for me, that was when I just took an absolute responsibility. Started learning about sales and business. The next four or five years, I basically decided to just try everything. I did door knocking uh, in <laughs> residential neighborhoods. I did B2B sales. I did cold calling. I started, you know, I took all the things I learned in college and just applied it to trying different business ideas. Some of them brought to market, some of them failed. Um, and, um, and we just started to gradually realize that conversations that happen late at night or early at the morning and the whiteboard ideas start to become real products or real services that you can bring to market, that people can get behind, people can pay for, that can add value to a small or large community. And then it scaled into today where, you know, SBS, we, we are the marketing communications infrastructure for our clients. The, you know, the, the cybersecurity firm that we're working with that did $30 million last year that's trying to get to 100, we are their entire communications infrastructure from strategy to the market research that d- develops the strategy, builds the creative engine, um, and, and, and through the, technolo- the technology side and web and digital, the entire process um, to help them engage with the people that move the business forward. And so, you know, it, it wasn't one moment as a kid. But that's where we're at today where, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't have an MBA. I've never been a head of marketing at some company. I just sold my entire life and realized the way people buy changed and the world is screaming and nobody's communicating. And, you know, <laughs> took the leap from there. And so far we've, we've been able to build trust, which I think at a core, isn't that all leadership is? The capacity to have a mutual <laughs> level of respect and trust so you can yeah. entertain the unknown together. Um, yeah. And I think um, I think that's kind of where we're at today. Yeah, that's so good. I, I love the way you, you talk about uh, what you do at, at SBS. 
Um, those four or five years where you really gave anything a go, any memorable stories from those four or five years that really is stuck in your memory, either as a, as a failure or a win where you learned something, um, uh, you know, lessons learned from those four or five years that you, that you use every day still today? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a couple. I mean, first, I think everybody should do some door knocking of some sort um, because there's nothing as intimate as going into a, some, a residential neighborhood and, you know, knocking on a door and trying to build a relationship in three seconds. I, I think that's a, a skill that it doesn't matter if you're, you're meeting, you know, uh, a friend, a business partner. Like, I think that's a really important muscle to build. I will not sit here and say I did it for years. It was a summer. We hit... Uh, we worked with like, you know, it was a very specific instance relative to the moment in time. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, it's five years of banging down doors, but I think the muscle is important for people to work because it, it builds confidence. Um, and also, you know, the, I've always just realized like everything you want is in the hand of hands of a stranger. You know, most of the people we do business with today, I did not know two years ago. You know, these are not like buddies from college or like friends from home. You know, yeah. so I think there's a level of understanding that the world's in the palm of somebody that you've yet to meet. Um, the other side is, um, you know, I, I think like you, I, I, I feel like I was relatively good at the at, at being able to perceive risk. So, um, you know, like, you know, the moment we're like, all right, to graduate school, I, I need I need a certain number of credits for this internship. But the internship that I'm doing is a sales internship and I'm not really enjoying it. So instead of letting it like extend, I'm going to kind of pitch them a new idea that isn't a role with the hopes that it builds a role that then also checks the box. But if they say no, and I get, if I get kicked off because they're like, well, if you don't want the job, we already have people ready to go. Um, then now maybe I don't graduate on time. Right. Um, so, you know, all right, well, what's the worst case scenario? I'm going to pitch this deal because I think it's a, it's a good opportunity. So I'm going to pitch it. You know, there's moments like that that are very small and very low risk when you really boil it down. But I think that's the time to take those risks. Or for me, I had a, a, a business I tried to start and we got, we brought to market, but I made some decisions. I don't think were the right decisions, which is ultimately why it didn't work. Um, and, you know, I put all my chips in that basket, ended up trying to find a job that would allow me to build it. That job went away the week I graduated. And I had seven days to find a job before I basically wow. told people because I was like, I'm not going to go home and say, like, hey, mom and dad, I graduated, but I'm now I don't have a job because I put all my eggs in this basket and didn't make the right decisions. So it, there's again, it comes back to um, take the risks when you can. So that when you actually have the, the ability to take real risks, like when I quit my job to build SPS, I had no contracts in place, which everybody's like, build the side business. Well, and I did it for a few years on the side projects and things like that. But I got to the point in my bones where I was like, I'm ready to go. I quit. I, I had a couple of deals that were pending out there that ended up closing in the next 60 days. But I quit my job. I'd saved enough money, you know, and, and I was like, I'm going to go, you know, so I think. You just, it's, it's knowing when to lean into it and, and bet on yourself a bit. Um, but that goes back to having parents that, you know, my environment to build was built right, you know, and, and that's, yeah. that's as privileged as it gets when you really look at it. I got no complaints about that, you know? Yeah. Um, so interested in the story of, of how you did build SBS. Can you tell us a bit about how you started it and, um, you know, some of the journey of, of going from, uh, from an idea to actually where it is today. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to. I mean, look, I'll, 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 I think the most of the story I'll tell is on the front end because um, I also think it's like we're early in, in the game, right? And the reason I say that is 95% of companies file bank, you know, go out of business in five years. So in my mind, you know, in the opening, you know, we have two podcasts, the First Floor Conversations podcast, which is like kind of like my baby and just something I have fun with. Um, that was like my MBA. I was like, if I interview 150 people that I actually can ask the right questions to that have done things and learn, that will be more valuable for me. So, but there's a moment in the intro that's like anything can look good in a small window of time. So we're doing well, you know, we'll do 40% of revenue Q1 of this year relative to last year. We're growing, but... 95% don't make it five years. So even if we're looking good in year you know, two, three, or four, whatever it may be, um, I think the context helps me stay pretty level because we don't get, you know, we're not too high on the highs, we're not too low on the lows. But to, to answer the question more directly, John, I, you know, I, I'm not a marketing guy. 
like as crazy as that sounds, I, I've never worked at an agency. I've never worked off Madison Avenue. Um, I started working with people outside of hours, just while being in sales with people coming to me and saying, Jeremy, I, I, I built my business in the chamber of commerce. I see you put out some content, you know, they would say to me, you know, and like, I, I they're, they're the mom and pop shop. These are not stock prices. The, you know, people projecting a stock price. These are solopreneurs, consultants, um, and they were like, I built my business by going to the PTA meetings, by, by going to the Chamber of Commerce, being a member of my community. And now I feel like if I have to go online, I'm going to become this like slap shop, you know, commercial type of person. And that is not who I am. So for like three years, I basically looked at them and said, you're not going to pay me, but you're also not going to buy equipment. There's no crutch. I'll, I'll walk you through how to do it and do what you need to do. And we'll do it together. And, and the reason was, you know, somebody's like, I need a good camera. I need this. Like, you just need to start doing stuff. So you're not going to waste the money on needing to spend a bunch of money on equipment, which is a good excuse. Um, but you're also not going to fork up. I didn't want to be early in my career, Jono, selling information. That made me genuinely crawl in my skin. The idea of being 20 years old, 22 years old, maybe just fresh out of college and being like a business coach. So, you know, when I was 17 to like 20, I just did it for free because I was like, if it works, you get to win. I get to learn. I think it will yeah. work. But I just I felt like a, I felt like a sleazeball with how many people are like I'm going to be your coach. I'm like, you're not even alive yet. Um, so to get to the point, I focused on helping those people from a position of communicate like you did in person, just online. Do what you did. They started making real money from like, I found your video. I'm going to book you for a, a keynote and fly you out and build, build brand and build business. Uh, and it scaled out from there while I was doing that. I was, I was doing B2B sales for five years. And in that process, whether I, I was selling, you know, $3,000 deals, a hundred, you know, 70 to hundred a year, or if I was selling six figure deals, you know, lower volume, higher, higher, uh, uh, higher annual value. I just started noticing that the way people were buying things changed. There were more people at the table doing more independent research. They were coming in more informed on every single deal. And, and, and the, the, the problem was we were focusing so much on uh, the, the, you know, the, the limited time we had as the vendor providing that value. And that wasn't when the deal was being won. And look, I've made President's Club. I've hit my months. The first sales job I walked into, I hit 23 of 24 months on quota, like just knocking doors and hitting and selling shit. Like I understand the ability to move product. But what I started to notice was that the psychology of the buyer changed. Not, not changing, it happened. Mm. So that for me was like, I'm gonna launch a podcast. I wanna learn from functional practitioners. I wanna talk to people that are running companies. I wanna understand how they're making decisions. That will be my real life MBA. Um, and if I build an audience, great. If I don't, whatever. I'm just gonna learn as much as I can and create some content. Um, I started saying thank you to guests by cutting the content and just branding it for them. I wouldn't even promote the show. I would just say, hey, give me your logo, give me your branding, I'll edit it and give you the clips where you, you shine and, and it worked. And they would come back and say, Jeremy, I, I've, you're putting out more content in the hour I've spent with you than my entire marketing department. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, you know, and, and they just, it was the operational efficiency that they were looking at. It was the quality of the content, but they were like, you came in with a, a line of questioning that allowed us to leave with more valuable content than literally we're making. And I have people to do this, but you're yeah. making it efficient for me, which is what makes it work. So the, 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 the front end of needing to communicate at a, at a simplified level, the fundamental level that the fact that people changed how they buy things and then the operational efficiency. Um, and that together was where I started in my gut feeling like mm. we're fast enough. Yeah. We have a moment in time where these, the, especially service-based businesses, yeah. where trust is your value. The, let's call it what it is. You're selling trust. Yeah. You're right? right. You can't yeah. be an advisor if I don't if I don't trust you to know something more than I know myself. Um, mm. So don't sell me. Add value. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and good. And then you know, I I was like. It's time to make a move. I put in my notice. We closed two contracts for 150 grand about 30 days later, and uh, I brought on two people to, to help figure it out. And you know, here we are, a, a little while later. You know, <laughs> here we are. You know, there's so much good that you shared there. One of the things I want to highlight and just uh, double down on for those who are listening, going, "Oh, I don't know if that'd work for me." What Jeremy's talking about. 
let me just tell a little bit about my um, uh, my story around something that you mentioned there, which is I love yeah. I love Gary Vaynerchuk's um, uh, quote where he basically says, and this is the biggest issue I see for leaders and for marketing teams. He says, look, the the content that you produce is going to be subjective. Some people are going to like it. Some people aren't going to like it. It may be good. It may be terrible. That is true. What's not subjective is that you have to be creating content. You have to be out there. And the the way that like, um, so an ex- the biggest example for me of doing that, I've tried lots of different things. My background's really similar to yours, actually, uh, Jeremy. My background was in business development. I did nine months door to door for a big telco here yeah and i learned more more in those nine months i so i agree with what you said it's such a great uh you really it's just like the front line of understanding (laughs) i think sales and marketing because there's nothing between you um and this person you know you've got to break every barrier which which teaches you a lot intuitively i think um but the big aha for me with content is I have worked so hard on writing blogs. I've worked on creating, um, you know, value, valuable assets and things for people. And I'm really proud of some of the things I've, I've created. And yet when I created this podcast, because I'm a service-based business, so really like you're talking about, people need to trust Jono. If I talk to someone, maybe I spend an hour with them. That's, uh, you know, but that's that's one hour. Instead, what I've been able to do is I've just passed a hundred episodes of this podcast, and I realized the other week you're gonna love, love this. It. The other week, I looked back at how many. Um, it was just a really busy week where I had a bunch of podcasts fall together, and I realized I created more content in terms of the time, the hours of content I created in that week than I did last year. Ah. Uh. I'm going to, we'll clap it up while we're not on mute. So to the people listening, I hope most of them understand that 90% of podcasts never break nine episodes. Yeah. So throw out all of the other stuff and realize that, yeah, there's 2 million podcasts in the world or on Apple music or whatever, but good for you, man. That that's super exciting. I mean, obviously you understand how, how it's not just the, the producing them. It's you got to build a process to handle that intake of media. Yeah. 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 And I've got a team that, uh, that works with me to to produce them and publish them. So there's that in place, but um, I don't do it on a massive budget. And uh, and I think the encouragement is for people, which is why I love your approach, um, is exactly what you said. By the time someone talks to me, what I want is I want them to have spent, um, you know. And this is why I'm, I'm such a big fan of podcasts, because the the way people interact with podcasts, if you compare it to say Instagram Stories. I put all this effort in um, to yep. catalog my life. Not that there's, not that they're not valuable, but let's just compare the time spent. I put it up on Instagram Stories, and it's gone tomorrow. Um, and compare that with a podcast. I spend this hour, or you know, this this amount of time with Jeremy. We have a great conversation about communication and leadership. How many people listen to it today, tomorrow, yeah. in a week? We don't know, but in a year, when the you know when when you know john from new zealand discovers episode 200 of of my podcast the the research the data all of us can even see it in ourselves how do we interact when we love something and it really clicks we go back and we binge it and so all of a sudden this guy john from new zealand he may then spend 200 hours over the next three weeks listening absorbing Jono talk about leadership, communication, all these things. So by the time he reaches out, he has spent 200 hours with me. And that's the, and and by then that's where the trust is built, Um, which is why I feel like I've tried so many things. And I really feel like this for me has cracked the code. And I get the feeling that when I say cracked the code, that must be a big part of what you bring is actually helping people stop procrastinating helping teams to become effective and efficient, get out there, create content and change the way you think about the buyer. I I love that approach. Yeah. I mean, I look, I love that, by the way, I couldn't agree more. I think it makes sense why you've been able to be effective and look, it it comes down to this. I was talking to a client about this today. Um, Communication as a culture 
is always going to be more effective in your business than it being a strategy or a tactic. Here's what I mean by that. I'll give a, a, the pri a private, uh, private equity, for example. We, we do a, a fair amount with private equity folks. Um, and, you know, we had an organization that's trying to raise, uh, you know, half a billion dollars right now. And um, what we looked at and what I did was I joined a dozen of their opportunity calls with investors to understand. I needed to feel in my bones why they leaned in and why they leaned out when receiving information. That's what really all marketing is. Once you have their attention, how do they respond to the information or, or otherwise you're giving them? Um, then we built it out from there and figured out they need to know how you analyze risk, how you make decisions. They need to know they can trust you and therefore they need to have context and history to know you've done this before, so therefore you're likely to do this tomorrow, right? We put together a strategy over nine months of putting out organic content on LinkedIn that did not sell anything. We did not pat ourselves on the back. We were not like, look at all the deals we're doing. We just added value on how we analyze the market, things to consider, um, stories of, of previous you know ventures or deals, things that made were successful, things where they made mistakes, how they, you know, all of it, right? Just basically telling them how they operate. So by the time they got to the front door, they, they knew everything. Like you said, John, like you knew everything. You didn't, there wasn't yeah. much to talk about other than the deal. <laughs> you know, I get a call two, 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 two Fridays ago from a client saying, Hey, I just want to tell you a, fun, a funny story. I got an email from, from somebody at, you know, this, this investment firm. Um, the email basically went, Hey, I, I found you, uh, on LinkedIn, wanted to talk to talk to you about a deal. And they get on the phone and they're like, Hey, I, we've never done business together. I, I really would love to understand, like, how did you really find us? And the investment firm said, I found you on LinkedIn because your content is the only one that patting yourself on the back, promoting deals. I actually got to understand how you go about making decisions, your perspective on risk, on the market. So I could understand immediately that you're already living in this space. And then when I went to YouTube and I went to your other channels and your website, I just, it all made perfect sense. So I knew you and I would align on how to do business together. So the relationship part wasn't a worry. And now you're in an asset class that we're also looking to participate in. And you've already given me what I need. So there's six deals I want to look at in aggregate. It's about $70 million in real estate, and that'll generate about a million dollars in revenue. And that client has spent less than a hundred thousand dollars with us. And it's all organic. And so <laughs> what I'm what I wanted to, wow. what, to like to tie it all, put a bow on it for you guys. It's like communication as a culture means you understand that the the gap between guessing and knowing is where the money is. You need to close yeah. that gap. Content's mm. a good avenue to do that. The other side is honestly, and I put a TikTok about this this recently, like the content's in your calendar. If you're in the services business and you're consulting with companies, you probably get the same 20 questions every meeting. It, like you don't need Gary Vee, you sure as hell don't need me. Like you don't even need a lot of these resources. The Like just like look at the recurring pattern and if you're getting a question or a comment or an objection or any number of those recurring patterns related to communications and dialogue, make something to support it so that you can teach them. And then what you'll find is your clients come in more trained because they're learning your approach, philosophy, and outlook on the way to do that. And therefore they understand what to get when they get you, which John, I'm sure is exactly what you're experiencing. By the time they've gone through any number yeah. of podcasts, they've, they spent so much time, they don't worry, they know your philosophy and therefore they know yeah. what will happen when they decide to say yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely my, my experience. Uh, this is this is so good, Jeremy. I'm interested. Say for those listening who um, are just you know scribbling notes furiously because they really are, are you know feel like this is maybe the the sort of the the type of thinking, the perspective they've been looking for, maybe the breakthrough that that they've needed, whatever size their company is or team. Uh, if if you were to sit down with yep. them, where where would you encourage them to start? You already gave some great advice there. Look at the questions people are already asking you. Are there any other tips for people apart from reaching out to you, which I'll ask you in a moment where people can find you, but um, any mm -hmm. tips on how people totally. can start on this sort of journey? Yeah, so look, the, the reason we're structured where we're really a research-driven firm is the following. No matter what you're doing, if you want to do well in marketing communications, then I would ask these three questions, right? Who do you need to communicate with to achieve the desired result? And, and try to get as specific as you can, not business owners, 
What type of business owners? Not finance professionals. Do you need a CFO, a VP of finance, a controller? Like really understand who you are trying to connect with. That person, not a company, not a department, a human. Once you have that, what does that person care about that makes you relevant, right? That's a, should hopefully be simple. Here's the one that people are not spending enough time on. How does that individual actually acquire information, engage their peers, and build a case for change in their organization? Now, I want to hit on that third one real quick. How does that person acquire information, engage their peers, and build a case for change? Gartner put out a study. I don't love everything Gartner puts out, but, but I, I think this is relevant for, for framing this for people. Um, I don't know uh, as much about like, where your audience is, so I'll speak about what I know about the U.S. markets. I, um, my hope is, given the state of digital, it's, it'll transfer into other markets relative to where people are listening. People are doing 35% more independent research than pre-COVID levels. What that means is, at the decision-making level, when they're looking to buy in a B2B scenario, especially in technology, what pre-pandemic people used to acquire roughly 5.1 unique information sources per person, per decision-maker, right, is now closer to, five, uh, uh, closer to 6.97 information sources. Uh, 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 alongside that, the average table has 6 to 11 decision-makers at it in a buying decision. So let's, let's do that math, right? Seven pieces of information, a podcast, a webinar, a white paper, an ebook, a, a, a well-written post on, on social, any number of those things, right? Seven per person, and there's between six and 11 people there, right? That means there's 42 to 77 individual pieces of information at that table making that decision. Wow. Okay, so mm. let's assume that some of the, those have crossed, they have crossover. Let's, let's go a step further into the data, right? Studies show that, that B2B buyers are spending 85% of their time doing independent research, tapping their peer groups, right? Instead of going to Google saying, what service provider should I buy? They're going to a Facebook group with 5,000 marketers saying, hey, how did you guys solve your paid advertising problem? We're looking to hire this vendor and I'd like your feedback, right? How are they tapping their peer groups? And, and they're doing independent research. That means there's 15%, 15% of the entire buying journey to evaluate hands-on with vendors. Now, in what world are you, me or anybody, the only vendor? Now, if your marketing is good, most of the time, unfortunately, most people don't have very good marketing. So let's assume that there are three other people involved. That means you have 5% of their total time, not counting trying to find shelf space in those 77 pieces of content that are sitting at the table when the doors close and the boardroom goes to work making a decision. 5%. Let's assume there's a 90-day sales cycle. That means to you salespeople and marketers that are trying to figure out why you're not winning business, it's because you have four and a half days to make an impact unless you win the battle of being the information enabling the decision when the doors close. So if you want to make a step forward and you want to find a way to, to generate progress, forget profits, just progress. Mm. Yeah. Who do you need to communicate with? Mm. What matters to what, what makes you relevant and understanding at a granular level, how does that person acquire information? How do they engage their peers? How are they? And then how are they building a case for change? I, I don't give a shit how you hear about my company. I care about how you decided and converted from we have a problem to mm. i need to contact this vendor that's the moment that matters yeah 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 yeah. you know um so i hope that frame frames it up a little bit i think start with research and i hate saying that because i think a lot of people will use that as an excuse to not act but i'm telling you the reason our our engagements are effective in that private equity is a great example is because i wasn't guessing yeah i talked to the investors <laughs> I watched them respond. I, I knew what needed to happen. And then it was, you know, what's that saying, John? Uh, time creates more converts than reasons. <laughs> you know? Um, That's good. I, I, right? Like, I, Mark, <laughs> if, you're, if you're aware, if you, you know, like if you, if you understand those three questions intimately and you yeah. realize that most people are trying to do research on their own, millennials are 2.2 times more skeptical of sales rep claims. Yeah, Your best yeah, friend yeah. is content. 
Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Start with understanding where That's the so you know, good. where that game oh. is played. You know. Can you can you give an example, maybe without giving any sort of trade secrets away, but say private equity, or you can pick your own yeah. industry and actually walk us through an example of the answers to those three questions, so we can just um, help us sort of step into yeah, the shoes in another industry. Yeah, that'd be really helpful. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a great example. So um, there's a couple ways to go about it. I'll, I'll give you an example. We were working with a law firm, right? That's like, they're a regional, but they're growing rapidly, a couple hundred employees. And, you know, they're trying to compete for talent, right? So some of you are, are, are you know, I always look at it like everybody's in the human capital business, comma, whatever services they offer. Right. If you don't get great people, it doesn't matter how good your product is. You don't have a company to support it. So I think recruiting for some people may be a value add and marketing can be a good way to, to approach it. So we got hired by a, a, a law firm to help them really attract talent away from big law. And they're like, we want to do a corporate video. We don't do a lot of project based work. But 90 percent of our business is, is long term recurring monthly. It's, I'm not a big fan of project stuff because um, another story. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, you know, so they wanted this corporate video. And I was like, well, this is not, you know, if you want to recruit people, it's not about what you want to tell them. It's what they need to hear. So that's not our decision, right? So who do we want to attract? And we went through the list. Okay, we want to attract um, junior associates who are, let's say, 35 years old. They've been out of law school for, 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 you know, eight years, 10 years, and they're ready to go to partner, but they've been burnt working at big law for, you know, eight years, working 90 hours a week, and they're ready for something that actually provides a quality of life and the career growth that they can control because there's 10,000 people at big law. The chance of you making partner is very, very slim. So we started unpacking the, the, the person. Okay, so we want to talk to junior partners, right, that, are, that want a work-life balance, but they also want control out of their career growth. Great. Work-life balance, right? And they want you to take note of that. Okay, so good. So what do people really want? Everybody's like, I want work-life balance, right? I want, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, want, I want career growth. So uh, I think it was ADP and Harvard's Research Institute did a study. This was a couple of years ago. So, so please mind that the data likely needs to be updated, but I think it still will paint the right picture of this is my approach, right? Again, I didn't say, great, it's going to be $10,000. Let's pick up the cameras and go shoot a cool, sexy corporate video. I said, great, junior partners that are, that are working 90 hours a week that want a better quality of life. Maybe they want to have a, a, a wife or kids or a husband and kids, and they want to have a quality of life. They want to also have career aspirations where they can maybe be a partner before they're 60, right? And not have to you know, fight 100 hours a week until they're 45 years old, um, if it works out. Okay, good. So we have the demo. We have answer question one, right? What do they value? Okay, so the idea was professional growth and work-life balance. What that, what that study did with ADP and, and the research institute, Harvard Research Institute, they surveyed, I think it was five, five or 10,000 uh, uh, um, uh, uh, workers, basically, you know, em, em, employed members of, of, uh, of the U.S. job market, right? And yep. what we found was that there were four things people wanted. And if you're looking at the data, it's not in a big chart. It's in an infinity loop. Okay, so my hope is that helps you get a little bit of a visual. So think about this like an infinity loop because what we want out of work is always changing, right? One day you're, you're living in paradise and you love the autonomy. The next thing you fall in love and you have your first child, right? Jonas, have it, have, you know, and then all of a sudden the, your relationship with work may change. You may need different things. So it's an ever-changing, constant evolution of what you need at that moment relative to what you hope and want tomorrow. Four things that that group of people said that they wanted. One... They wanted the capacity to be productive. They needed the resources to actually feel they were capable of doing the job. Being productive was one. Two, they want to feel inspired. They want to feel like their work contributes to something greater than their own individual worth. They want something that's a part of something bigger than themselves, and therefore they want to get up and participate. It's not about entrepreneurship. It's being a part of something. Okay. The other two are where everybody, I think, goes wrong. Everybody wants to be inspired and be productive. One was they want to be uniquely valued. Right? They want to feel that they themselves are, are valued yes. for their unique contribution. And then yeah. the fourth one, they wanted a sense of belonging. Now more than ever before, that one matters as we become more virtual and distributed. So while most companies are like, I want to attract people, let's put out a sexy corporate video. You know what people really wanted? They want to be productive, inspired, have a sense of belonging and feel uniquely valued. So you know what we did? We filmed different creative to hit those head on. Okay, because 
Time creates more converts than reason. Is somebody gonna leave a job where they're making $150,000 a year because they watched one video one time at one Tuesday afternoon on LinkedIn? Absolutely not, unless it's the perfect moment in time and it's just the perfect storm. So that answered one and then that answered two. How does that person acquire information, right? Yeah. These attorneys are on things like LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn has about 800 million active monthly users. One in eight of them are considered senior level management, right? It's the only platform that really rewards you for actually putting your title and being accurate. And also let's call it what it is. If you're a lawyer, it's part of your personality. You want people to know you're a lawyer, <laughs> you know? Um, and so LinkedIn's a really good platform <laughs> for us to do what we need to do, right? Um, we can also target the big law firms by name. Um, and then we run those ads, we, we massage them with those messages so that when they become ready to make a change, they are top of mind because everybody else is saying we're awesome and amazing. And we're the ones saying we understand you and have something for you when you're ready for the conversation. That's what guides, in my opinion, yeah. great content. It's, it's not about yeah. stepping up to the mic and preparing the perfect speech. Mm. Who do you need to communicate with? What do they care about? How do they acquire information, engage their peers and so forth? Now, I didn't get as in depth on three of how to engage the peers, mm. um, but what you could do, for example, is go, we did this with private equity. I talked to 20 of those investors and I said, hey, can I bug you with a couple questions? What Facebook groups are you in? When you wanna get access to a group of like-minded people, how do you do it? Oh, you go to WhatsApp, awesome. Oh, you go to this group on Facebook. Oh, you're in a, disc a Discord channel, right? And then the next step is you aggregate the data and then you see if you can get into that community and then you learn. How do they do what they do? How are they engaging, right? You would be stunned. And, and John, I don't know if you're in any groups like this. I, I sure am. And, and it helps a lot in keeping a pulse on things like this. But yeah. I, people are using groups like, like search. I'm in a couple marketing mm -hmm. groups with a bunch of executives. And literally every day there are posts from people saying, um, hey, we're having this problem. How did you solve it? In the literal entire comment section is watch this podcast check out this blog i hired this guy or gal or company and they were amazing <laughs> yeah like no, I, and I've everybody's everybody's I've, here trying i've done that myself so the proof totally i've literally gone to a facebook group and asked hey i need someone to do this specific type of marketing for me who's great because i i got a bit of maybe 100%. analysis paralysis and and look searching everywhere else going i just don't know who's actually good and i went to a group so no I, i've literally done oh, yeah. that myself jeremy it's it's it, and like it's and that's why when everybody's like, i gotta run ads i gotta spend a lot of money you need to communicate with the people it's binary you either need to project something out that many people can consume autonomously on their time or you go on a one-to-one -one engagement and you try to go find one it's either one-to-many or one-to-one it's only so many ways to do it, right? Um, that's the process. Who do we need to communicate with? What matters to them? And where are they spending time consuming content, engaging with their peers? Because everybody, you know, that's why I'm not a huge fan of SEO. You know, we're working with a manufacturing client right now that, that's in cabinets and vanities, and, and they want to build channel relationships with contractors, general contractors who can work with the homeowners and sell their kitchens and vanities and create sustainable business, right? They're about a $1.2 million shop today, and their goal is to 10x that. They want to they grow significantly. And they were like, well, let's do SEO. Like, do we think that general contractors are going to Google saying new cabinet <laughs> suppliers near me? Like that is not how people discover things. <laughs> so I, I, I dropped in a couple of Facebook groups. I reached out to a half a dozen, a dozen contracts. And I'll, look, my, my sample sizes right now are small. So anecdotally, get as many as you can. But for our mm. conversation to move the point across, that's, a, that's an example where more is better. But I called the 20 people I knew. Hey, how do you discover new, new, uh, new brands and new, new styles and new products, new suppliers? Every single one of them was like, Honestly, I hear about it from these people. I spend time on Facebook and Instagram, but it's, it's typically a network thing. Great. Yeah, yeah. They're not proactively going after it. Yeah. We may, we were, yeah. you know, four days into running an ad and I'm, I got a call from him and saying, Hey, we just, uh, five leads came through. We've talked to three of them. Two of them are general contractors running small businesses. Uh, we're getting them pricing right now. So we'd love to learn, you know, it's like, yeah. Cause we talked to them. <laughs> looked at how they uh, how they yeah. do this and um you know it's start with those questions find the answers 
and then lean all in ready to learn and optimize because you're still going to have to make a calculated bet marketing is not 100 percent zero it's 85 90 percent you know and then you go and, and you optimize with information you get back from the work you've done any um any suggestions on groups uh because i i think that's something i found challenging is maybe i haven't looked deeply enough or maybe i'm maybe i haven't nailed down who i'm wanting to talk to maybe i've sort of just tried to find the best groups which is exactly why you start with question one exactly who are you communicating with um how have you found say for marketing are you finding so facebook or linkedin groups and how have you found them and uh, even maybe any you could recommend um or or maybe more your process for how you find them so so here here's my process so um Two things. One is I actually think that one of the, one of the comments I haven't made that's that's equally as important to where where you were going with that, Jono, is getting in those groups is not just a lead gen; it's a it's a temperature check. And what I mean by that is I'm in these I'm in a couple groups uh, like DGMG, which is Dave Gerhardt's uh, Facebook group. Um, a couple other you know Slack channels are also decent. Um, I'm there to learn. I'm I'm there to literally see on a consistent daily basis what other mark what 5,000 other marketing executives are struggling with thinking about talking about how they're wording it how they're talking about it the vernacular the approach right you know I, I did we did a web analysis uh, for a client uh, today uh, finished it up today and, and walked through tomorrow with them and what we did was we analyzed you know 2025 websites and looked at from language and style and color visual imagery to, to elements and and content integration holistically what makes a great effective website right and one of the things that i think is important is you know the ones that are great write like we write like we talk so we can read like we actually think which is a little bit of a mind blank you know throw a four letter but (laughs) write like we talk so we can read like we think yeah right don't force your customer to have to learn how to talk to you so to close this out it's i'm in these groups actually to just keep a pulse on the market what are they worrying about? What are they struggling with? You start to see a trend and you're like, oh, that's really interesting. Maybe my clients are having trouble with this or maybe I'm missing something or maybe I need to learn something. Um, yeah. That's one thing, right? Mm-hmm. Keep an ear to the ground always. And I know for me personally, virtually, that can be a little hard because events now that they're coming back, but you know, I, I don't know. I didn't know many people in the marketing world. Like mm. I didn't work at an agency. So I'm not leaving. I didn't leave a sale. I left a sales job where none of the people there could help me. Yeah. So... That's not because they're not good people, but they're not, I'm not like working at an agency. Now I know the 45 CMOs that I can all call and say, Hey, you know, John, Hey, Kathy, we worked together for 10 years. I got this firm. Can we try to work together? Like, I don't have that. So I use Mm. these groups to keep my DGMG is a great group. Probably one of the better, better marketing groups I've ever found. It's collaborative. It's value add. Um, there's a Slack channel. I think that they have DGMG, like coffee roulette, which is like a round table for anybody that just wants to talk to other marketers and just like, I've gotten together with some people, you know, for a Mm. 15, 20, 30, 40 minute call over, over zoom. And just, Hey, what do you, I talked to uh, somebody that runs a demand gen team overseas. Mm. And I'm like, what are you experiencing? What's happening? What, what do you, you know, and we just get to learn and share knowledge, which I think is fun. Um, now as for generating business, I actually think taking those findings and then generating value through content. Mm-hmm. podcasting, running ads, organically, however you, you have, uh, whatever your setup is, then what you do, what we did and what I did was I literally drew out my customer journey map mm-hmm. of when they go from unaware of a problem, unaware of a solution to aware of a problem, unaware of the solution to aware of the problem and aware of the category of solutions and all of the moments in between there. And then just creating content to support that journey. Yeah, right? I love that. Um, yeah. Because then I know if they, when they find me, I'm already there to enable them, which is really the punchline to my entire spiel is marketing and B2B is about effective enablement of decision support, not manipulation to get email and information through gated content. Yeah, Enable yeah. them. They're enable looking them. for help. They're, they're looking for help. <laughs> so use the findings from the group to build relationships, to learn, to create content which enables your customer to understand how to make sense about their problem based on the level in the organization, how to understand the category, because just because you have a problem doesn't mean you're inclined to solve it, right? (laughs) 
Johnny, yeah. you, you got a baby on the way, right? There's going to be a thousand yeah. things that happen and good and bad. And it's going to be amazing. You're not going to have time to solve all the problems, right? <laughs> you have to make yeah. it easy for your customer to understand what problem is worth solving and also how to approach solving it. And so use the findings, fuel the content, uh, and then stay close because it takes time, right? Most people change jobs every year to two years. So to the people that maybe are starting and brand new, People will watch you put out content for a year just to see if you're serious or not. Mm, yeah. Let's just call it what it yeah. is. China, you put yeah. you said you you broke a hundred you put out a hundred hundred plus podcasts already. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. Past hundred. It's amazing. Yeah. Right now, people. It is. Right <laughs> now, they know you're serious. They know you're yeah. serious. Right. Yeah. They know you. They they know this is important to you and your business is of value because look, there's what thirty million business, small businesses in America. Most of them mm. won't make it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So people need to see that you're committed enough so that they can understand if it's worth trusting you. So there's got to be a balance of an ear to the ground, an output mm -hmm. of value and sustainability so that people know this is the game you're playing. And therefore, you're my expert. I can call on you today. So good, Jeremy. Well, where can people find you who are Googling to email you or just get in touch to ask for your help? Because this has been so good. I know this is going to be a really popular episode. Where can people find you online? No, I'm, I'm, I'm happy it was valuable. I mean, look, uh, everything I put out, you know, LinkedIn and, and the podcast, we're here to help. Um, if I can do anything to help, I'm, I'm happy to, I'm happy to be here. Uh, LinkedIn, Jeremy Franchese, I'm sure it'll be, uh, my name at least will be spelled right. So if you just look me up, you'll find me on LinkedIn. Um, if you're into, if you're into podcasts and, and, and you like, uh, the approach, the marketing water cooler podcast, we have episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, um, where I'm either going deep into a given topic or I'm interviewing somebody, uh, that's a functional marketing leader in the space. Um, and going into, into the weeds on, on anything specific, everything that I, I try to do online, the best of my ability is provide actionable insights where you should be able to walk away with something that you can apply. Um, there's no shortage of information. It's just yeah. on, on, on you to take the ones that resonate with you and apply it and go to work. So LinkedIn's the place to connect with me directly. Would love to meet you virtually. Um, and if you want to tune in the Marketing Water Cooler podcast, uh, you'll find it on my profile as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you to our listeners. Uh, don't forget, I also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day Podcast, two other places you can go to invest in your leadership. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to you, Jeremy. This has been gold. I honestly believe this will be one of the most popular because there's just been, I love your take on marketing, on communication, on sales. I think there's just been some some super helpful perspective-changing uh, nuggets today. I can see why uh, why your organization's going so well, and I believe it's going to only go strength to strength with the way you think about these things. So, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, John, thanks so much. C good luck with with the bait. You said you're 38 weeks, right? Yeah, 39. So yeah, any any day your now. Wife? So 39. <laughs> yeah. uh, any day. Well, good good luck and and uh, and and happy and healthy. Hopefully everything go, goes well. And uh, but thanks for having me here, everybody. Thanks for for uh, letting me bend your ear for a little bit. So uh, appreciate the opportunity. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest 
or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John White or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.